The question is asked, can a couple of curious explorers reunite Australia with the rest of the world? Well, if advertisers have anything to do with it, anything is possible with the help of lamb, good old Aussie lamb. (laughs) That can only mean one thing, and that is that the 2022 lamb ad has hit the airwaves, encouraging us to down a lamb cutlet as we wonder about what we might be missing out on and who might have forgotten that Australia exists. In another time and another place, people were looking to a different lamb, a lamb who would do more than reunite a country with the rest of the world, This lamb would make a way to reunite humanity with Creator God. Let me pray. Jesus, as we spend time in your word, you are the word. Holy Spirit, as you brood over us this morning, at this time, whenever we might be connecting with this message, Lord, may we most importantly be connecting with you. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us deep to deep and move amongst us? Would you quicken in us a renewed desire to connect with you in ever-increasing ways? May you continue your work of transformation in us and in our communities through us for the glory of your name. Amen. Well, One of the many um, decisions that parents have to make is what to name their child. For some, it comes pretty easy. Uh, For others, there is a fierce debate about what to name the child and, and by association, what does the meaning of the name bring for that child? Do you know what your name means? Do you know why your parents called you that name? If Mary and I were to have a boy, I thought personally that we should name him Harley. And it would be great to have people wonder why Harley? You know, after all, there's no one else in our family called Harley. And the meaning of the old English word referring to meadow seems a bit odd, but I liked it because he would have been known as Harley, David's son. But names carry meanings, don't they? While the meaning of a name can be met with disinterest in some, it's really important for others. The naming of people and places carried great significance for the Jewish people. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to open them to John chapter 1. So when John starts his gospel account, woven within the first chapter is the most jam-packed references to the various names and titles of Jesus that we find anywhere in the New Testament. It's also helpful to put John chapter 1, verse 35 into a little bit of a context. So by the time we arrive at John 1.35, Jesus has spent, he's, he's roughly 30 years of age. He was recently baptised by John and he spent roughly 40 days in the wilderness and now he makes his way back to the Jordan River north of the Dead Sea where John ministers with his disciples. 
following Amy's reading earlier of John chapter 1 verses 29 to 34, we pick up the account in John chapter 1 verse 35. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. In verse 40, it goes on to say, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John had said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was um, from Bethesda, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph, Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you sitting under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I, uh, I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Now, if you've been tracking with Northern for a little while, then you may remember we spoke last year about how John and Andrew and Philip and Nathaniel were not the best of the best as far as students go. They would have known the Torah well but not well enough to be picked up by a reputable rabbi. You may also remember that in the past, we've looked at the nationalistic and ultra-conservative reputation of Nazareth and how much of Israel, if they knew and had ever heard of the town of Nazareth, which was roughly about 400 people, that they would have seen Nazareth as a bit you know, behind the times. It's part of why Nathan chucks off at Jesus coming from Nazareth in verse 46. Nazareth, exclaims Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? But remember how John in his gospel likes to lay a meaning over meaning like a pearl in an oyster. 
Well, here in John, we find it happening again. A significant aspect of this layering is the names or the titles given to Jesus in this passage. In fact, as far as the whole of the New Testament goes, there is nowhere else with such a range of names given and titles given to Jesus as what we find here in John chapter 1. For the reader, it would have been like watching fireworks display with one fantastic revelation after another. Such is the significance that it's worthy of us lingering a little longer with, as we spend some time to look at the titles given to Jesus and some of the significance for the readers then and now. <clears throat> Jesus. It's a Greek form of Joshua, meaning Yahweh is salvation or the Lord saves. And while other parents also named their child Jesus, they would have done so um, in looking to or hoping for that, that God would remember his people, his promises to Israel and save them from the Roman Empire. For Mary and Joseph, we discover in the other Gospels, it was because Jesus is the anticipation of Yahweh's salvation. Lamb of God. This was a watershed title with both John the Baptizer's declaration and John the beloved disciple's recollection. Nowhere else in the Bible is this title used in this way. It only appears twice in the Bible in this way and only in John chapter 1. But to the reader, with their mind, that would have created an immediate link for them to a term that was rich in the Old Testament traditions. From Abel's sacrifice to God, to providing the very best, the firstborn lambs of his flock to God in Genesis chapter 4. To God's provision of a lamb in, to, for Abraham as a substitute sacrifice for Isaac in Genesis 22. Through the Passover lamb in Exodus 12. The vast majority of references to lamb in the Bible is as a sacrificial offering to address the issues of a person's sin um, in their life. In Isaiah 53, it speaks of the servant of God suffering like a lamb. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. So John adds this imagery for the reader in these rich terms. Rabbi. Rabbi means master or my master or teacher and is a term of respect for someone in a revered position. Here in the transition, uh, we see the transition from John the baptizers um, having Andrew and um, the others as their rabbi to Jesus becoming their new rabbi. For Andrew and John, in asking Jesus, where are you staying? They hoped that Jesus would not just chat with them for a, a few minutes, but that they could abide, that they could remain with him for a while. Jesus' response of come and see was more than just come and have a look at where I'm staying. Oh, yeah, see that place down the road there? Yeah, that's my spot. It was an invitation to enter into an experience with Jesus. 
Andrew then goes to find his brother Simon, who is absent when this interaction took place. And when describing Jesus to Simon, he starts using the words, we have found the Messiah. Messiah. It means anointed one. Contrary to popular opinion, Christ is not the last name of Jesus, but the Greek translation of Messiah or anointed one. Anointing someone in the Hebrew context was to set them apart, to to bless them, to recognise them um, after the failure of successive kings, to being the the king of Israel, the king of God's people, the the person that, that the people were looking for and hoped for in a new God's anointed one way from the line of David. He would be like Moses, delivering God's people and be set apart to help establish and to establish the kingdom of God. It's a little wonder then that Philip goes to Nathaniel with his revelation and declares of Jesus in verse 45, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. Son of Joseph. Whereas Matthew and Luke go into great lengths to identify Jesus' family tree, in John, this is the first point where we hear of Jesus' family. But John also making the point of grounding Jesus in this way with his humanity. He is an earthly, uh, he recognises Jesus' earthly stepfather and that he grew up in the back blocks of Galilee in a small nationalistic town of Nazareth. And while Nathaniel starts um, off taking the mickey out of Jesus and he, he, he quickly changes his tune to declare, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Nathaniel goes from one extreme to the other, son of God, not just a son of God, but there is a definite article before it translated the which shows John's desire to push the total weight of this declaration out there. The King of Israel. It's only used four times in the New Testament and two of those times in John's Gospel. So Nathaniel pulls together rabbi, divinity, kingship into this powerful declaration about Jesus. But even in this interaction between Nathaniel and Jesus, there's another added layer of meaning that John places over the previous layers of this pearl. In John chapter 1, verse 47, we read, As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, You are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you that I'd seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this, he said. I tell you the truth, you will see heaven open up and the angels of God going up and down on the son of man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. For the reader in Jesus' day, they would have been amused and amazed by this interaction. They would have been amused by Jesus' sarcasm and wit 
towards Nathaniel, putting this snotty little upstart back in his place. Son of Israel, Jesus is having a definite dig at Nathaniel's derogatory statement about Jesus. Israel was the name before it was changed um, in Genesis 32 was Jacob. So it was Jacob and then it got changed in Genesis 32 to Israel. And Jacob was known for his deceptive behaviour, stealing his brother's birthright. So Jesus is having a tongue-in-cheek dig at Nathanael with the multiple references of genuine son and complete integrity. Basically, Jesus is calling out Nathanael's put-down of Jesus, childhood home, and that Nathanael is not all that and a bag of chips because I see you and I see what you're really like. Amused? and then amazed. Then the reference goes to Jacob even further as, as Jesus declares that Nathaniel will be more like Jacob than he ever realised because just as Jacob had a dream in Genesis 28 of a stairway that reached from earth to heaven long before Led Zeppelin penned the lyrics and Jacob saw the angels of God going up and down on that stairway. Jacob declares, what an awesome place this is. It's none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. And he named that place Bethel, which means house of God. And now Jesus declares to Nathanael, I tell you the truth, you will see heaven open up and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus says that he, he is the house of God, the connection between heaven and earth. And in this, Jesus also uses for the very first time his preferred reference of himself, son of man, capturing a reference from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. Daniel writes, as my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one who was led into his presence. He was given authority, honour and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that the people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Through John's gospel, we will hear Jesus refer to himself in the third person term, son of man, again and again. Jesus uses this term partly because of the reference of Daniel, but also partly because he can shape it, he can mould it, he can, he can make it into what he wants it to be. So what about for us today? As I reflected on this account of John chapter 1, in John's gospel, saturated with such power and meaning. I looked at each person and how they saw different things in Jesus and how it shaped the way that they first connected with Jesus. But as they understood more, it shaped more of their relationship with Jesus. And you know what? 
that's not so dissimilar to us today. We can have a favourite way of thinking of Jesus, a favourite title that we might use for Jesus. But there's also a danger. There's a danger that we try and box Jesus into just that title. After all, the more we understand of Jesus, the more claim he has over us and over our life. For some, we might like him as Jesus, son of God, firmly grounded in his humanity. We keep Jesus as a person of history, and through this, he's at a safe distance. For others, we're happy to see Jesus as a rabbi, a teacher, a wise man, a guru. And we enjoy his moral teachings and his approachable parables that can call us to live good lives, that care for others. And while we can be challenged and um, feel a bit uncomfortable when we don't live up to this moral code, it doesn't really matter because there's plenty of other good teachers that we can find on Google or with the latest TED Talk. So we just pick and choose what teachings to practice and what we want to look up to and what we want to leave behind. But at the start of John's Gospel, and in the very first chapter of John's Gospel, John wants to leave you in no doubt of who this Jesus is and what he should mean for your life. Jesus is the Messiah the Christ, the anointed one set apart by God as his appointed representative. Jesus is king and as such ushers in the kingdom of God and calls people today to join this sovereign nation when you will, where you can voluntarily acknowledge King Jesus as your king and as your Lord. Jesus is the son of God, fully human and fully God and as such created you and you bear the fingerprints of the creator. Jesus embodies God because he is fully God and we are called to worship Jesus as God. And lastly, more than any reconciliation of lamb ad on TV can achieve, Jesus is the lamb of God. And as the Lamb of God, he deals with our sins, our stuff-ups, our mistakes, the things that we've gotten wrong in the past and the things that we will get wrong in the future. And most importantly, more than uniting Australia with the rest of the world, our acceptance of Jesus as the Lamb of God and through Jesus' sacrificial death and resurrection, we can be united with Creator God, the one who created the universe so much more than any lamb cutlet tossed on a barbecue could ever achieve. Understanding all of who Jesus is challenges us and the way we relate to Jesus and the way it shapes our life and how we live for Jesus. But it should also change the way we respond as well. For the first followers of Jesus, like Andrew and Philip, they want to introduce others to Jesus as well, to know Jesus, to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And as a result of that, Jesus should influence our desire to introduce others to him today. Let me pray.
Lord Jesus, King, Messiah, Son of God, Son of Man. Each of these terms, Jesus describes you, but it doesn't limit you. Even in these terms, you are so much more. Forgive us for the times that we try and box you in, to pigeonhole you, to constrain you, because we prefer one title over another. Help us to better understand the fullness of who you are and the claim that you have over our life, over your creation. Jesus, help us to to deepen in our passion and our desire to understand you more. Deepen in us a desire to connect with others and to help them to connect with you and to come to know you, Jesus, in all that you mean for us and all that you are for them. Amen. So how might we respond today? Well, I wonder, what's your preferred title for Jesus? And how has that shaped your relationship with Jesus? What title is more of a challenge for you? And how might a commitment to grow in your acceptance of Jesus in that way help to shape and grow grow your relationship with Jesus? And who are you wanting to introduce to Jesus? How can we at Northern help you to introduce others to Jesus as well? As I mentioned earlier in the service, we'll also take, um, you, we've got some sheets here, some take-home sheets of what do you want. And uh, we'll put that on our recordings and also on our Facebook page so that people that are listening later can uh, also access that as well. But for now, I encourage you to prayerfully reflect on the response slide and write a prayer of response on the card or via the chat or text or email about what God's saying to you today about how you relate to Jesus. God bless you.